No more defenses. Our army is wiped out. Artillery, air force, everything wiped out. Maybe the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the end. Welcome to Media and the End of the World. Doing something that we did, I guess about a year and a half ago, maybe? It was, it was a long, long time ago. I don't ago. remember. Because it, it's been a while. Yeah, it has, I think it's, yeah. it has been about a year and a half. So we recapped Stranger Things 2. Yvette Walker joined us. Yvette's yeah, back. That's yeah, back. Yeah, I yep. think that was the last time I was here, I think. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. And that was episode number Eight. Wow. Okay. This is episode number fifty-two. So we've we've gotten somewhere. Should I feel slighted? No. <laughs> no, because you'll you'll officially have been here more than any other guest speaker. That's All true. Right. That's okay. true. Okay. We've never invited anyone back. All right. like, we usually, except ourselves. Because we, we we usually destroy the relationship with them in the process. So they're like, "Thanks, this was fun. Don't ever call me again." No. <laughs> so today we are uh, taking a journey back to the summer of nineteen. 85 to discuss Stranger Things 3. It's worth worth uh, prefacing that if you have not seen Stranger Things 3, this will be a very spoiler-ridden podcast. Yep. So we suggest uh, either you watch it or you decide to not get mad at us if we uh, give away any of the plot points uh, right up front. So we'll I, give I just you a chance to, s- to leave if you if you would like to. That, that's a good idea. I spent a chunk of time in my history walking up to people I didn't know and saying, at the end of Jaws 2, the shark bites through a power line because I, I was so horrified by the movie. I thought ruining it would stop people from seeing it. There you go. <laughs> that, so, that struck me as the fair thing to do. So my millennial <laughs> reference is when, um, I don't know which book it was, book uh, six came out for Harry Potter. Like this is a big deal. People, you know, you, people were standing outside of Barnes and Noble waiting for, to buy the book mm. and people were driving by saying, this is that's that's cool that's cool (laughs) yeah that is pretty cool all right um so this is a this is a hard one to talk about in that there's a lot here and i struggle with doing these kind of talks on mini series because there's so much and then we have just the universe of stranger things because we've added more characters over time we have some new characters who have been introduced there's a lot of different plot lines to try to follow and so i I have came up with a game that hopefully allows us to talk through uh, the different uh, plot points through the idea of the characters themselves. And so this game's called Buy, Sell, or Hold. And I am going to give you the name of a character or a pair of characters in which you, uh, in your very American capitalist mentality, will then have to decide whether you're investing <laughs> or divesting in the stock in which you, you have you, you just for the made characters. It, you just made it so tacky and nasty. I don't know. Because now it's about the future of these things, right? This is futures trading. Yes. We're talking well, about here. No, it's, no, it's not. It's based off of where were they before uh-huh. and then based off your experience with Stranger Things 3. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Are, did you enjoy 
the characters enough that you're going to invest in them uh, going on for Stranger Things 4. And we didn't even have do to we, be the do characters. We ca- are we going to care about them? Yeah. I mean, do you feel like do you feel like Stranger Things 3 had a positive or negative impact? And it can be on the character. It can be on the actor. Uh, it, you know, there, oh. you don't have to you don't have to stay. There's 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 no rules in this. You know, you're not I'm not going to come arrest you for fraud. If you, <laughs> there's no rules. <laughs> Insider trading. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we don't have any fiduciary responsibility to the characters as we're doing That's this. Correct. Right? We have to have our own interests in mind, not theirs. That's yeah, right. OK. Just um, want to make sure, because you know how you're watching things sometimes and this character just begins to grate on you and you want them dead as soon as possible yes mm-hmm. yeah that's so. that's when you would sell right, right exactly right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and and as i you know as i mentioned beforehand it's just a mechanism to talk right it's just it's just a way to think through because hopefully just it gives us a, a reason to bring up all of the characters themselves and maybe talk about the different plot points that we see through them as well so it's mm-hmm. just it's just a vehicle for conversation uh, as I would tell my students. Um, okay, so uh, the, the example being that you, after Stranger Things 3, you'd probably sell all of your Billy stock. <laughs> right? Maybe you'd, um, I would maybe say, maybe I would buy stock in uh, Dacre Montgomery. Hopefully I'm saying his name right. The uh-huh. actor who played him. Because I think he had like a really fantastic job in what little he was probably given to work with. I mean, there, it wasn't like he had uh, a lot of dialogue and he becomes uh, a monster pretty quickly. Yeah. But he does a really, really good job. He's very believable in the role himself. But as Billy as a character, uh, you know, we don't we don't plan on seeing him in Stranger Things 4 uh, there may anymore. be some memories or, you know, talking about him, you know, by Max in season four. But he's, if he's not gone, and, and I know, you know, with Stranger Things, anything can happen. But if he's not gone, I'd be pretty surprised. Yeah, I, I just have to I have to give him credit for selling the mullet. Because that's not easy. It's not. Right? It is definitely not easy to sell that particular hairstyle and to carry it around with such swagger. That's yeah. true. That was very impressive. And it is a wig. It is. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. It's, it's wiggy looking. It's wiggy. To me, it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's our first foray. I want to talk about these two characters, Steve and Robin. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on Steve and Robin? Definitely buy. Buying Steve, buying Robin. Yeah, B-U-Y, not B-I. This is the first yeah. spoiler, and that's not even really a spoiler. <laughs> I think, no, no, no. I, I think that they are going to be friends. I mean, they, they are close no matter, you know, we're not shipping them, no matter what, what relationship they have, friendship. Um, they are definitely going to be close. You know, of course, it's up to the brothers to bring her back. But I think that they got very close and really learned a lot about each other. And even though, again, spoiler, um, she's not interested in Steve in that way. Yeah, totally. He he thinks she's the coolest, coolest chick out there. And she's still not obsessed with him. But I, I think she I think she likes him. I think she thinks that he's, you know, he's brave and a silly kind of way and yeah yeah i think they're totally gonna be friends I, i'd buy yeah I, I think i i think i would agree with that too i thought that her character added something to the show that was missing previously yeah, totally agree um on, on a number of levels because i think that they're they they have shown they can do dorky and pull it off and they can do like creepy yes. mullet guy and pull it off but could they actually do cool 
and pull it off. And Steve was sort of there already, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But but only because he keeps on tripping over his own feet the whole time, right? Every right. time that he tries to do something, it ends up kind of blowing up in his face. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was in that creepy suit the entire season <laughs> yes. was fantastic. You have to give it, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and his hair wasn't even that great this season. <laughs> Steve the Hair Harrington, the hair just was not. Even when he took off the sailor hat, it just wasn't the hair. Yeah. He's one of the most interesting characters to me in that his his arc um, has ch- has changed so much over time. So oh, he yeah. does kind of start off as the as the 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 douche high school guy mm-hmm. who transforms into a very likable character, mostly through his relationship with Dustin in season two. Mm-hmm. And then we get to season three and, you know, the way that they've sort of developed him as lovable, but potentially airheaded. Uh, this, one potentially. Of my, one, of my, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is at the end on the last last episode when they're uh, trying to get a job at Family Video. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. Uh, and, and we learn that, that Robin's taste in movies is, uh, you know, quite refined in that mm-hmm. Steve, you know, is his favorite, has asked his three favorite movies and is, you know, is is the Star Wars one uh, with the teddy bears. <laughs> yeah, go Ewoks. And, uh, but that, that scene alone is why I will buy. Yeah. That, that scene alone, she's sticking up for him. Um, she's basically saying why he should, I mean, she wants to hang out with him. He's fun. So yeah. why not? Well, he he also has a kind of like self knowledge that's pretty rare because he knows what his flaws are and he kind of lives inside of him now. It's like he's it's 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 like you can kind of it, this one of the things that I think is compelling about the show in general is the fact that it creates these really compelling younger people mm-hmm. and then sells you on sort of how they're kind of changing over time and some of his changes were I think some of the most profound because he becomes so completely aware of his like deep douchiness yeah and you know she reminds him of some of what their past was um when you know when they were talking to each other in that incredible bathroom scene yeah <laughs> where they're in different <laughs> stalls and as i'm it was kind of funny because as i'm watching the two of them in these stalls i'm thinking bathroom or confessional bathroom or you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh, this is one of my favorite plot lines of the series in that you think, I mean, you kind of think you're being set up for the Steve and Robin and Steve's finally going to uh, get a girlfriend who is worth watching. And then we kind of see in the bathroom stall, that's not necessarily uh, the case. And that's kind of, that was a a little bit refreshing to know Mm -hmm. this is not going in the direction that that, that the the audience is initially anticipating. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. At the same time, and and I'm not sure how, how I feel about this but when it when it began it, be, it began to become clear that she was not interested in him she was only interested in him because her 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 obsession was interested in him i almost felt like it was a little bit too easy to go there i, I don't know i don't know how i feel about that i mean yes i thought it was great to you know to help us, to have us assume that she likes him because everybody likes steve um and and not going there is great but change i don't know yeah. I, I guess i don't know what i'm saying it, it, it felt at first it felt okay is it a little cliche to go there sure. or 
could it have been more complex? I don't know. I think, and I think that's why these are these are both buys because I think that Robin is a character that you really invest in in the next season, mm-hmm. and you get. I mean, she already seems like a very complex character as it as it stands. Yeah. And I'm really really interested to see what the Duffer Brothers do with her yeah. in the next season because you're right. There's a lot there uh, that's sort of left unfinished. There's yeah. There were a couple of things that I think make make her stick out in addition to coming out. At a time when, you know, this is another historical yeah. interesting period True. because, you know, the, the world's much different now. And I'll be interested to see if they if they want to tackle that a little bit more because there's some suggestions that there's other things about fluid sexuality that are going to be part of the show. But and, – and they've actually already touched on it before with some of the ways that they displayed other characters, right, because they were not consistently gendered. Um but uh, but but about uh, uh, the the teeth, Robin's teeth, which were fantastic. Mm-hmm. She had like the best teeth, and also the best put downs at the beginning when she was <laughs> keeping track of Steve's failures at yes. the ice cream counter and yes. things like that. She was just like you know she was she was hitting him every time and Mm -hmm. I thought that you know that's of course something that's really great because even though we kind of love Steve in a way he kind of deserves it because of his you know you never you never stop being completely douchey once you've already committed yourself to it all right let's move on (laughs) to uh, the next pair that we have here Jonathan and Nancy so where we find Jonathan and Nancy in season three is they now work for uh, a, a newspaper Um, I'm trying to find the uh, Hawkins Post is the newspaper in which they work for. Uh, We have Nancy is a intern. Uh, Jonathan seems to be a photographer. And this is where uh, this this is where their 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 storyline starts off. Uh, Well, before I say that, I got to say, love the Busey cameo. Yes. Whenever there's a Busey cameo, (laughs) I got to say, yeah. Um, So I, I have. Not a love-hate relationship, but I, I don't know. Nancy, I don't trust Nancy. I don't trust Nancy. I don't trust her 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 pure her her values, I guess, or her or her 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 compass. Because it takes me back to when she was with Steve. Steve was douchey. She liked that. But at some point she dumps him. And I'm trying to remember, did she dump him? While he was still douchey, or when he was beginning his transformation, I don't remember. To the yeah, undouchey question. So, something about Nancy bugs me. I don't know. So now she's with Jonathan, and she is just all about herself. I mean, he, she's getting him into trouble. She's she, she. I don't know. But I love Jonathan. Really? Yeah, I love I Jonathan. I think he's a very boring character. Well, he was he was he, he, he was, was he was he was a little bit they didn't give him much to do in this he season. Really yeah. did not get much to do. But in no. previous seasons he had a lot to do. He was set yeah. up to be sort of the character that you were kind of siding with in, uh, earlier on. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah, that seemed to be kind of abandoned yeah, this they, time. It's not his fault. They didn't write. Him. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> in, in much the same way she abandoned Barb. I have to mention Oh yes, <laughs> because Barb. I mean, come on, cameo from Barb. Could she be the American they reference at the end of the episode? It's potential, yeah. <laughs> no, we'll get to we'll, we'll get, we'll get to yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so buy, sell, or hold, Jonathan and or Nancy. Well, for Jonathan alone, I'm You're I'm going to I'm going to hold. I think it's smart. I'm going to hold. Okay. I yeah, I think I would buy because I think that they still have something for him to do. Yeah. I think there's. I, th- I think because I think his. Um, I think he's a lot like a parallel to Robin in some ways. 
I'm selling. I'm selling these two characters. Wow. Okay. You just completely. The most that Nancy had to offer this season was she's incredible with the weapon. Uh, she got yeah, to shoot she does. a lot yeah, of things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so I give her credit for that. But I don't I don't know if I see where these these two are going uh, in, in next seasons and, and how much for if we're already, you know, minimizing Jonathan's role, how much as we add uh, more uh, balls to the hopper. No reference uh, pun intended there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but how do we continue to to to, to watch these two? Okay, next. And, two. and really quickly, and another interesting thing is, these kids are growing up. Yes. So so we had that we had Steve, Nancy, and Jonathan as the as the older children. That's right. Well, they're the younger children are becoming the older children. That's right. So there's not as much need for that demographic. But I'm still holding. We'll see. Yeah, we've got we've got so many other budding couples. It feels Absolutely. like too, right? It's yeah, like we've, we have these sort of early relationships amongst them. Is how you know that that the the, the need for the relationship yeah. between Jonathan and Nancy. Who knows what happens? Maybe they're 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 married in the next one or something. We'll see. Um, okay, Lucas and Max. Oh, I'm buying. I would kind of hold. We can, we can talk about these separately too. Yeah, I'm just pairing them together just because of their relationship status, but uh, to not talk specifically about the relationship, about the characters themselves. I think you're that, holding. Let's, yeah, let's hear I that. Think, well, I think that they um, in this season they were kind of coasting a little bit. Mm. Um, so there wasn't, I don't think as much, you know, they were sort of there as part of the gang and there, there really wasn't as much individual character development, I thought, um, in terms of what was going on with them. Now, it just in general, I thought there was a really odd structure to the season, to this third season, because there was so much character stuff in the first two and a half episodes. Mm-hmm. And I was beginning to get a little frustrated with that. Yeah. And then it hit the gas and kind of sailed for the rest of it, which I thought was really great. But um, but I think that, that those two characters were... We're in a little bit of a holding pattern to me. Well, I'll say I disagree. As as a relationship or individually, are you talking? Um I'd say mostly well, either actually. I think Okay, that they so were. I disagree. I think as a relationship, maybe they were holding a little bit just because there was so much else going on. But Max had a lot to do in this. First of all, she's you know her brother's a monster. Then she then <laughs> then, then she's telling whose brother isn't a monster. She's anyway. telling she's telling Eleven how to become her own woman. I mean that was That's a big, true, that yeah. was a big part. I mean she really helped Elle grow into whatever whatever she's going to become. And um, I think that alone, I mean there's just so much in this. I mean everybody can't build. In this season, because there's yeah. just so much going on. So, um, but no, I still I still think there's a lot going on. I think that they, even as a relationship, I think they'll be they'll still be together for a bit. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna buy. Okay, I'm gonna split the difference. I'm gonna hold on Lucas, and I'm buying on Max. Mm-hmm. I really like where Max ends in this season mm-hmm. because uh, you're right. There's a real coming of age moment for her. So she loses her brother Billy, mm-hmm. who I'm not quite sure she needed to like, but she seems to be in distraught over yeah. the exit of Billy himself. And I understand this from a family perspective, um, but their relationship is always fraught for me. And I'm really interested to see. I, I feel like Max can play, potentially play a really major uh, character role in future seasons if they if they allow this to sort of be, uh, you know, she's now out there to avenge her brother's death yeah, uh, or yeah, something like that. Something, I, yeah. I, I'd be really interested to see what they can do with her. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas, you know, I think he, 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 he played a fine role this time around. I'm not quite sure uh, if uh, if he added an incredible amount to, to this season. I'm trying to think of like, what's 
the what's the major Lucas scene, uh, or even like the role that he he plays in in trying to destroy the mind flare? I, 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 I think getting hairspray in the face might have been. Do you remember when they surprised Dustin? With the robots oh. and behind him, <laughs> and he just sprays him right in the face with the with the uh, Ferrofossa yeah. hairspray. Yeah. That was that was painful. I, well, I think, but but I think the um, Maybe I think his relationship the, with Mike. He's good at kind of holding Mike together. He is, but I but I think the major the major uh, scenes about him frequently came when the sister was talking about him. Mm. So the sister talked was very surprised that he was a part of anything, that he was brave. That he was, I mean, you know, there was a lot of that. I know we're going to get to the sister yeah. in a minute. Yeah. Um, so no, that's why I think he's still he's still going to play a role. And I and 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 for no other reason, there can't only be one black character in Stranger yes. Things. I'm going to have an <laughs> issue with I that. Sell. So there I we can't go. Sell, yeah. can sell Lucas. <laughs> I'm not saying. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we got a second one now. Okay. Well, I mean, I know it's Hawkins, Indiana. Trust me. I used to live in Northwest Indiana. I know about these things. Yeah. But oh yeah, yeah. One of the things I should just—I thought this was interesting because in in doing some background reading about the way they set this up, when they originally developed this idea, they wanted to set it in Mantock, New York. Mm. And part of the idea was that they thought that it would actually be reminiscent of the Jaws setting, you know, kind of that. Okay, yeah. Uh, although, the, it, you know, kind of northeast kind of thing. Um, I think that they ended up where they were was perfect because it's so middle America. Mm-hmm, you that's know. right. Um, it was kind of funny. The day after, what was the what was the the thing that was on his T-shirt that was on Dustin's T-shirt? It was like the Camp Nowhere. Oh yeah. The, the day hat. the day after we finished. The, the season, which was like three days after it was released, I was with a guy in the grocery store and he already had the T-shirt. That's awesome. So it was <laughs> – and this guy was like kind of had an yeah. earring and it was it was out there. So. <laughs> next, next pairing, Dustin and Erica. That's a, that's a good pairing. Um, so – I'm I'm not shipping them at all. No, but I, but I think I think that they are going to be the kind of friends that you know she 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 likes him, but she's never going to admit that she likes him as a you friend. So? Okay, yeah, you know, no, not like him, okay. like him, yeah. but as a friend. Right. No, 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 no. She likes him as a friend, and she respects him as a friend, but she's never going to admit yeah. that. And then he's always going to be just his own lovable self. So, um, I you know I I think I, I think they set her up so that she was a pretty popular character, likable. Um, I think we'll see her again, and I think that she will continue to have a friendship with Dustin. Erica is the character that if you would have bought stock in her in Stranger Things two, you would have been a rich person. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. After Stranger yeah. Things three, that's yeah. that's the kind of investment that you want to be making. That's true. Really interesting character herself. Dustin is a character who probably until the last couple of episodes, I would have been on a hold or sell stock of Dustin. I wasn't really, really. I, I mean, I I I wasn't really tracking exactly what he was doing throughout the entire season himself mm. um, he just happened to have this nose of a sense for figuring out that Russians were involved in it you know and, but but, but I, you know I, I wasn't really loving him to the degree in which I felt like I was loving him in the first couple of seasons mm. uh, and then we get the scene of Dustin calling Susie who we finally get introduced to yeah. uh, and, and the, that that is, is the scene yes. of the entire <laughs> season. That is it. That just that basically uh, basically makes the makes the series itself. Sing the song. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that was uh, that was amazing. I, I also noticed in doing some of the reading that apparently um, rentals for Neverending Story have gone up eight hundred, eight hundred percent within the week. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Is that well? We'll talk about movie references later, yeah. but that's probably the most surprising one, correct? Yeah, I think, but you know, it, again, in its time, it was like a really big deal, right? But but, but in context yeah. of what we usually see referenced right. in Stranger Things, yeah. that's probably the one. Well, I wasn't okay when you say surprising. I wasn't expecting it, but when it happened, yes. it was perfect. It, it was perfect. It was perfect. I agree. There was, I think, there's you know, when you're talking about movie references in relationship to it, there's kind of two things. There's one is the stuff that they reference because they're drawing on it as inspiration for what they do. So it may be you know indirect references, and then there's the things they actually like talk about in the or see because there are a few scenes where there's an audience watching uh, day of the dead um which came out in uh, july of 85 so you can kind of peg the 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 Mm -hmm. when it happened the interesting thing about that was that when that film was released it was released without a rating so actually anybody under 16 probably who was in that theater probably shouldn't have been there unless it was just a particularly you know lackluster theater in hawkins (laughs) indiana which is possible (laughs) because it may be the only theater in town but if it was the only theater in town that they were showing Day of the Dead would be actually kind of weird too. Yeah. But mm, okay, okay. Anyway, just a little little side note. Yep. Anything yeah. else to say about Dustin and Erica? Dustin. Um, so, w- well, what I liked about what they did with him is it starts off him building him building the thing that saves the world, but it was only there so that he could introduce his friends to this, you know, to Susie, who no one believed exist existed. But then, you know, at the end, when they realize that's the only apparatus they can use to be able to communicate with each other and thus save the world, I don't know. I mean, Dustin is always, it seems to me he's always a little, you know, this underdog that rises to the occasion when, when, when you know, when you need him to. And that, again, happened, happened this time. And then the other thing, and the other thing is his, his nose for news about the Russians played out better than Nancy. Nancy, I have an issue with, as you can tell. <laughs> then Na- I mean, Nancy's nose for news was, was spot on, but just the way she goes about it. I don't know. I have an issue. <laughs> I'm sorry. Spoken like, a, like an ex-journalist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that part. Yeah. And to your point about how uh, as the kids get older, we get pushed out of the the older kids kind of get minimized roles. I think what Erica does to bring to this this mm. specific season is she brings in that younger character, yes. almost the, the the role that Dustin had in season one, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of comic foil uh, mm-hmm. going to push through and persevere mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, hasn't it hasn't really been scared by this kind of stuff before. Uh, and they both curse. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah. They're also they're 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 also. I think there's this. I think it's interesting that you know, there's this kind of nostalgia about uh, nerds, right? That kind of goes on with both yeah, of them, right? That's right? Which they carry very differently. But you know, we have to remember that the, the start of these nerds ends up being the people who are destroying the world through social media, right? I mean, they eventually become the runners of Facebook and Twitter and all these sorts of things. Mm. So this is like the it's like the lost innocence of having been a social outcast, you know, back back when you know that kind of nerdiness was mm-hmm. was truly nerdy and was you know would, would truly mean that you were not going to be hanging around with the cool people. 
That is that's true. But that brings me back to to Dustin's level of nerdiness. I'm so I'm just in awe because number one, he knows the words to the never ending story. I, I don't know all the words <laughs> to the song. I mean, I, I've I've seen it. I know the song. Don't know all the words. And he that plot the plot twist with My Little Pony that he that he brought down. That was amazing. <laughs> You know, that he just knew all that. So they're, I, they're, I like that. They are, one of the other things I was reading and going through this history of it was they were originally going to try to use a piece of music from Lord of the Rings. Mm. Um, and and Never Ending Story popped up as an alternative when they found out that uh, a Lord of the Rings TV series is in production. Oh. So they didn't want to do that. I think Amazon was doing this it. This is so much better. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah Never Ending Story, just it, that landed so perfectly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Moving on to our next pairing. Mike and Eleven. Yeah, no, I'm still buying. I'm still buying. Um, and the reason why I'm buying is because, my yeah, he. I mean, he was a little jerky, but at the end, he has her back. First of all, you know, he's he's he shows that he really cares about her. Although she's like, trust me, I know what I'm doing. But he he shows that he does really care about her. He doesn't just treat her like a possession. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to have their ups and downs. They're not going anywhere. I'm still buying. <laughs> the only thing, I, I truly want to sell his hair. I think his his and Will's. His, his real hair is great. His, but his, his like character hair yeah, and Will's character hair. Yeah, the bowl. It's, it's the, just it's the so bowl. weird. The yeah. bowl. What's that called? Like yeah, bowl the, cut. The monks used to wear or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just, it's just a, it's a very weird look and it's, it yeah. doesn't look. It doesn't look cheap and external. It looks produced. It looks very intentional okay. to have it look that way to me. And I just I think it's a very strange choice that they're making to have those characters appear that way because they're just it just it, it's just very very odd. Everybody else's hair is is fine. Yeah. Well, there's I, I think with Eleven, I think there's also been this interesting you know when you mentioned before about the sort of Max costume shopping thing. Um, because that character went from being reasonably androgynous, right, mm-hmm. to being very intentionally androgynous in the second season at the beginning of it, to now being much more a girl in this season, right? Um, which I think is an interesting. I think it's an interesting development because it's sort of like at the same time culturally, what's happening is that there's beginning to be this kind of like flexibility that kind of carried over from the '70s of you know what constitutes a particular kind of way of performing gender. But and remember, so think, their homo- their hormones are going a little crazy right now, and she's probably feeling more girly, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know what that means. She's no, she knows she's feeling differently, and so okay, so I am the woman in the room, so she's feeling differently. Uh-huh. And but Max shows her what that could mean. Now she can still feel feel womanly and still feel androgynous, but she's ex- she's choosing to express herself in that way. Max is certainly helping her. Now Max is, you know. A tomboy herself. Yeah. So she doesn't have to dress Elle up like a doll. She could dress Elle up like herself. But so I think I think that tells me that Elle had something to say about the choice because Max doesn't dress like that. Mm-hmm. Right. When, when Max was trying to emphasize that she was she can determine herself. Right. right? right. That she can make these choices. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think what's interesting, I mean, this is 
Eleven's been so central to the the, the storyline so far. I think where her character ends, I mean, there's obviously some unanswered questions as far as to what does it mean that she's lost her power? Is it really gone? And, you know, Mike's assuring her that it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a lot to, to be seen about where where does she go from here, potentially with losing the closest thing that she, well, I won't say the closest thing, but someone who's really represented the role of mm-hmm. father to her as right, well for the right. last couple of years is, and you know, we can talk a, a little bit about that, you know, this, this scene towards the end of the movie of her reading the letter that uh, Hopper uh, was, was meaning to tell her, but you know, never got the chance to do so. Um, I think it's really, it will be really interesting to see what her character becomes. Cause I do think that the, a lot of this story of this, season is um, ab- about this coming of age and growing up and mm-hmm. what it means to go through awkwardness and then come out of it and and you know what specifically what Hopper says is when you know when bad things happen to make sure to feel those yeah yeah uh, I think is sort of what you know a lot of a lot of people experience during those particular years of their of their life and now we're kind of we're going to kind of see 11 she's now internalized those although she's had plenty of life experiences this mm-hmm. is not the the, the the first mark on the tree for her as far as experiences go, um, but it will be interesting to watch her. Um, I I I enjoy the character of Mike. I think I love sort of his awkwardness and the way that he tries to approach, you know, showing his feelings for Eleven and and maybe it's just my own ability to relate to the confusion in which it can be for being a boy and not understanding exactly why the girl who seemed to be absolutely you know you couldn't be separated and everything was such a deep infatuation all of a sudden wants absolutely nothing to do with you you know and you're really really confused in that situation uh, and unfortunately Mike has to be the bearer of those those specific feelings when it, when it comes to Eleven um, and what happens to her at the end so obviously she needs a parent figure we understand that and um, and you know um, what's the one what's her name Joyce Joyce jo- Joyce is the natural yes but what I don't understand is why they have to leave town what, did I right. miss something? Why, like, why do they have to leave? Why have they not left? <laughs> why, why, why have we stayed, right? Yeah, it would seem once they got Will back and be like, okay, we're out of here. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, th- I think that's an interesting question, too. And it was one thing, one, one note at the end that seemed kind of like unresolved. Like, yes. why? what's what's the what's the desperate going? need to yeah, do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How far? Um, because um, you know, part of me thought that the, the, the best the best option is to go as far away as possible as you can from Hawkins, Indiana. Mm-hmm. But Mike's talking to Eleven about, hey, you can come visit at Thanksgiving, right, right. and then Christmas, which tells me that if you're able to come back for holidays once a month, particularly you know during that season, well, then you're you're not super far away. Uh, that They're you, probably not headed to New Zealand, or right? Something right, like that. right. Yeah. You're in you're in visiting de- uh, distance. Mm-hmm. You haven't gone into you know witness protection program or something. <laughs> Like that. Right, so, right. There is there is a kind of consistency to how screwed up all the families in the show are, though. Yeah. When you think about it, oh yeah, there isn't a single, I, it, unless I'm mistaking one. I mean, Dustin's well, family, we, so, we, but they're just weird. We <laughs> don't really know Lucas's family except for that's true. the sister, so we don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, and as I said, Joyce, it, it can't, it can't. Well, you know, Joyce, Joyce is the natural one. Probably, you know, not really Dustin's family because again, yeah, that's weird. We don't know Lucas's family. Mike's mom is very strange. Although maybe at the, since Billy's gone now, maybe she, maybe she will be better and not throw herself at pre at prepubescent. Well, I guess he wasn't he wasn't prepubescent, but at still, the lifeguard. But still at the lifeguard. Um, but yeah, the families. Yeah, the families are tough, and and maybe, but you know, 
I don't know. It'd be I would. They're showing Mike's family a little bit more, um, so I'm curious to see. And, and and that makes sense because there's got there's two children that we see from that mm-hmm. family, and that makes sense. But now the the mother's gone through something. Maybe she maybe the fa maybe she will be with the father more because clearly she was very um, done with the father. wasn't very interested in the father. He's he's maybe kind of boring. She's interested in this lifeguard. Um, but maybe at the end she realizes that was a big mistake. So maybe that will change. I don't know. The family dynamic on Mike's end may may change a little bit. Um, but I will say this, um, when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to families and to relationships, poor Joyce, is this like <laughs> the second potential she's lost, which is why I refuse to believe that. Okay, let's, let's move okay, on. Okay, I know, too. we're going to so, move on. So, okay. so my last sort of major character pairing is Joyce and, and, and Hopper. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's finally, they're finally about to actually maybe have a real relationship. Do you think so? Because even, even in the scene uh, when... Um, uh, Murray is sort of like, come on, just you know, get together already from the back of the seat with mm-hmm. the with the Russian scientist and like the kind of the kind of the looks that Hopper is given is like you know kind of like this is awkward you you know you've kind of outed that I like her but then she like just kind of has this puzzled look on her face like I guess we do see him like hold hands uh, in the carnival when they're doing the the ride that that goes around you know the the zero gravity yeah, ride yeah. Um, and then but, they have the heart to heart with the Russian uniform scene a little bit yeah, later on too. Yeah. So. No, I, I think so because I mean I think that what they were showing was the example of the two people who are together who really should be together, and everyone else around them sees they should be together, but they don't realize it. Yeah. And yes, indeed, they should be together. Yeah. And so that's really where I thought that was going. Um, I mean, you know, it's 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 a good thing that she didn't have to see Hopper destroyed like poor Bob. That was just right. terrible. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't think, I think Hopper will, I think we will see him again. Okay. So, so this, I'm yeah, buying. So, well, yeah, I'm buying. I'm okay, buying. You're I'm buying both. Yeah, you're I'm buying, buying, I'm buying, buying both. Buying potentially uh, yes, deceased Hopper. Yes, I am. I am. Absolutely, <laughs> I, I am. I think the, the price is low. Version, I think this, yeah. is, this is a buyer's market well, for Hopper. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ralph. They, I, uh, I, uh, I would hold on both, I think. Uh, mostly because, again, Hopper, I think he's probably going to come back. It feels really kind of loaded to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think they need to do something. Uh, I mean, Joyce has been in this kind of like holding pattern, and there's clearly more. I think with Joyce and Nancy, there there are potentials with those characters that haven't been realized yet. Um, but I like Joyce. So. My my prediction. You don't like Nancy. I, I get that impression. <laughs> Her detective work was spot on. I know she was. See, she she was taking on the exploding yeah, rats pretty that, directly. That is that true. That's true. Pretty impressive. But this is a, but one reason why I think we will that we will see Hopper again. This is what I think is going to happen. So if I'm wrong, that's fine. Um, I think this next season they will move. We will see Elle become just kind of a regular person. She won't have her powers for for maybe even. The first couple of episodes or whatever, she will regain them and use them during the the one scene where she will have to use them, and that is when she can get Hopper back. Interesting. That's when I, she will use them again. Here's my prediction: No Hopper season four. No. Oh, for the whole season. I'm saying no Hopper oh, season four. But, but potentially, potentially five. Yeah, I think oh. I, I think if I if I'm gonna buy, okay, I'm gonna let the price drop a little bit more. Get through <laughs> season four, in which we almost are confirmed that Hopper's not coming back. I don't think that they're gonna wait that long. I don't think that they can wait that. But long. We have to answer this question of who's the American that's been that's been taken well, yeah. by the Russians. 
in its hopper. I actually heard somebody advance the theory that it's actually the Matthew Modine character from the I first season. I did hear season. that, too. Yeah. But, but why? And I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, why would he need to be back That'd be there? disappointing, right, to learn it's not Hopper, that it's yeah, someone you why, why, Yeah, I don't care about Matthew Modine's character. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just, I thought there was, you know, sort of like I, mean, I love initial... him. I love him, the actor. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> love me some no, it was, Matthew I think Modine. it was funny how they were pulling these actors that, and apparently they, you know, again, after the first season, had a lot of people expressing interest in being part of the show, yeah. both as actors and directors. And I thought that was really fascinating mm-hmm. um, how this kind of caught on. Is that. Jim Hopper, the most complete character of the entire cast. What do you mean by complete? I just feel like we get so much backstory of him. We hear in early seasons about um, Sarah, his his daughter, mm-hmm. uh, who he lost to cancer, and Diane, his ex-wife. Um, and we just see so much complexity. We see him go from a very, very sensitive uh, you know, trying to be a father figure mm-hmm. to the most badass. I mean, there was more Hopper fight scenes in season three. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, he basically punched everybody uh, at some point. Every, ba- every bad guy got a got, you know got a got fist hoppered. full of Hopper. Um, I mean, he was he was really <laughs> that's a great a fistful of Hopper for yeah. a little Hopper more. I like yeah. that. <laughs> so uh, I think I mean I I do think that his his character arc is the most complete that we've seen, other than Billy because that was pretty we saw a lot about billy but he's gone yeah but we didn't get we didn't, i don't i mean we got a little bit of backstory of billy but there's just still i feel like so many unanswered questions that i have about him i, just, I don't feel like he ever got a full a full deep dive into who the mm. character is mm-hmm. in the same way that i feel like hopper was explained okay okay yeah, i think yeah probably with coming of age stories too that kind of exposition yeah. is is almost like beside the point because what you're seeing is the exposition of people becoming people right, right. so right uh, i happen to be reading it right now the ah, stephen king novel yeah. which actually has kind of a parallel construction of a cluster of characters that are about the same age in about in most of the book mm-hmm. and it's just interesting to see you know kind of experience the same thing where it's like people in process of being built into people mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. okay i want to get into some sub characters um <laughs> and then i i've realized that i've blatantly missed will in like the main character uh <laughs> will was Will's just there will, will had his hand on the back of his neck and that's about it wasn't like season three like i mean it, like it should have been will's season in a lot of ways because poor Will was just sort of always being controlled in season one and season two that you yeah. thought that we might get some more Will in season three. But no, he's just kind of kind of hanging out again. Yeah, it's true. All right. So well, I, I think that out is possibly an interesting problem, too, because they kind of suggested that he basically outed himself. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to. They didn't do it. They didn't commit to that the mm-hmm. way they did with Robin. Uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. They left it kind of a little interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think I caught that. Okay, sub characters: Murray, <laughs> aka Bald Eagle. <laughs> I love Murray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Investigative journalist for the Chicago Sun Times. What's not to like about him, right? He's mm-hmm. yeah. He comes across a little bit more as somebody who would work for like I don't know uh, a paranoid screed of some kind. You know, doing that kind of investigative journalism, but. Uh, yeah, definitely. He, he wasn't wrong. No, he no. wasn't wrong. <laughs> um, Nose Russian, interesting. Mm-hmm. What I don't know if you guys have read about this, but the cell phone number. So there, there's a cell phone number that he drops. That's very clearly not a five 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 number in the in the show itself. And then Stranger Things has essentially doubled down using some of the actors' social media accounts to also disseminate this this phone number. This is a real phone number that you can call. It's six one eight six two five. 
1-800-285-8313. And if you call it, you get a message from Murray. Hi. You have reached the residence of Murray Bauman. Mom, if this is you, please hang up and call me between the hours of 5 and 6 p.m. as previously discussed, okay? If this is Joyce, Joyce, thank you for calling. I've been trying to reach you. I, I have an update. It's about, well, it's, uh, it's probably best if we speak in person. It's not good or bad, but it's something. <clears throat> and if this is anyone but my mother or Joyce, well, you, you think you're real clever getting my number, don't you? Well, here's some breaking news for you. You're not clever. You're not special. You are simply one of the many, many nimwits to call here, and the closest you will ever get to me is this pre-recorded message. So, at the beep, do me a favor. Hang up and never call here again. You are a parasite. Thank you, and good day. And so this adds to the theory of maybe Murray knows through his investigative journalism skills that Hopper is not gone. At least that's sort of the theories that people want to buy into right now. So highly suggest you give the phone number a call if you want to hear a voicemail. Oh, that's interesting. I'll have to from, do that. From Murray. Yeah, totally. Uh, Boy, you just went all like geeky nerdy on that. That was good. Oh, I good. didn't pull that detail. That was good. good. I like that. Very yeah. good. Uh, Mayor Larry Klein. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wesley from uh, Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah. Carrie Elwes. Yeah. Um, yeah, another like familiar reference to a historical yes. um, past person. For sure. Uh, definitely one of the least likable characters who's shown up on the show. Mm-hmm. I think his character shows that that creepy, you know, creepy uh, authority figures can are beyond beyond just the lab. They are among mm. us. And so he embodies that. I and I kind of like that. I mean, he would you you're always kind of waiting for this plot that like somehow he knew of everything that was going on, mm-hmm. you know, and he was somehow like a, a, a quasi operative in the whole thing. And it was it's really not the case. I mean, he's kind of letting like it, it happen, but he's just kind of a skis. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Bruce Lowe, uh, who is the Jake Busey character, the oh. journalist in the newsroom um, who embodies everything uh, that we don't like. And negative. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember that guy. I remember that guy. So when I was a young female reporter, I remember that guy. They do exist, at least back then. And I would have been... Oh, they, they exist. Yeah. They exist. And, and I would have been probably around Nancy's age. Let's see. So this was 85. Oh, my goodness. So this was 85. And I was... Um, 24. So I would have been having some of my first journalism jobs. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's Nancy's younger than that, mm-hmm. but I would have been having some of my first journalism jobs. And yeah, I, I recognized him clearly. It I seems, remember someone just like him. Yeah, it seemed like that was like a necessary qualification for working at that newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Because they were all like that. There, It was just like the really unpleasant group of people. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right. I mean, I think the idea that 
that you know because you can always contrast like the, the, the kids forming to be people potentially that are interesting with adults that are just like ugh you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and that was a, that was a whole room full of them mm-hmm. yeah I guess to, to finish off the newsroom itself so we've got the the Holloway family is sort of this entire you know this entire interesting subplot but we've got Tom Holiday or Tom Holloway who's the editor in chief of the Hawkins Post uh, Heather Holloway who is his daughter uh, and li- lifeguard co-worker to Billy uh, the you know herself and then right. we sort of see this scene in the Holloway house which is pretty pretty interesting mm-hmm. uh, thoughts on on the Holloways didn't they did they turned into yeah yeah no, gelatinous. no, no one exists right, anymore. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Holloway family yeah. is no more yeah uh, the decline of journalism happening right in front of our eyes <laughs> Both, both, uh, both uh, the Jake Busey character and the Holloways get annihilated. Yeah, so. I think you know, I I, I have to uh, props to them for the the gelatinous Lovecraftian monstrosity, yeah. mm-hmm. the the mind flayer. Um, I thought that they did some really good work with that, and I think the way that they were like absorbing people and turning yeah. them into, uh, and actually going back to the first confrontation between Billy and Billy, which was kind of awesome too. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Where you were seeing kind of this. You know, the, so I thought that was, and that was where once you got past the character development at the beginning, it just kind of accelerated to develop mm-hmm. this whole new kind of threat that I thought was really successful. Yeah. Okay. Last two characters that I have on the sub character list, um, uh, the our, our main two Russian characters. We have the Russian scientist, Doctor Alexei, who uh, who has uh, you know tried to figure out this way to. Uh, I believe open uh, open up the gate, uh, but has failed. And so we see Grigori, who is the the Russian. We we call them the Russian Terminator in our household. <laughs> uh, but basically, who's assigned to basically go find the Russian scientist and try to destroy him right. uh, for failing mm-hmm. failing the mission itself. These two characters, I find I find really interesting. Uh, neither of which were played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. But no. one almost. <laughs> it was very, very Terminator, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and who would who who would have thought that you would have felt? I, I don't know what you guys felt when uh, the scientist gets uh, gunned down in the middle of the the county fair uh, with the with the the silencer gun. Um, but I, I was, I don't think I was um, prepared for how emotionally invested I felt in the cherry slurp, slurpy loving uh, Russian scientist. He just seemed he so a, happy. He was so yeah. happy. It yeah. happened when he was he he was they, he was he was about to enjoy the rise. And did he have cotton candy in his hand or something? I mean, it just seemed like he was so happy. And then he was gone. Yeah, he loves the fruits of life. Strawberry is fine. That's the best part of my <laughs> Strawberry is fine. Well, and that was another. That's a great scene. Right? That was another. That was Fantastic. another. Hopper. Yeah, Hopper. Yeah, Hopper was like, I have dealt with these kind of guys my entire life, and yeah. he was right. Hopper and Murray, yeah, kind of in the same context. Was oh yeah, nice, awesome. nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I one other. I you, I know you didn't mention this pairing specifically, but the Dustin Steve scenes are always killer. Yes. Yeah. They're yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Had I not already. Yeah. If I had not paired Steve with Rob, but there, that's sort of a whole trio there or, mm-hmm. or uh or all four of them together if you had Erica as well. And so. I like I like the fact that Robin Robin recognizes like why are you with these kids? But it's not a weird way. So I yeah, like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, one thing that was interesting to follow, I mean, begin because we have so many characters, right? That's a, that's a lot for us to to have to go through right there. It's just when we finally see everybody kind of converge at the mall finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After an entire season of really not seeing parents talk to their own children uh, or <laughs> uh, friends, you know, who've kind of split off into into multiple factions, and then we uh, we finally are able to uh, invade Starcourt Mall essentially together. That that's that's really cool to see how they they eventually bring them all back yeah. it was and well what about one more character the mall yeah, yeah. let's well, so um maybe this is this is a good introduction to sort of some of the favorite 80s references mm-hmm. that we had itself mm-hmm. because there's a ton within the the star court mall itself i have to ask were were either of you mall rats i i wouldn't say a mall rat but i was definitely at the mall a lot but probably not that much they were, I I, yeah. I mean, there, there, there was a period of time where I think I was too old, kind of, to be part of that mall rat culture. But you know, they were still there. They, they still like now. The experience is incredibly unpleasant. Yeah, and it was still kind of <laughs> tolerable then. Yeah. I think I don't know if, mm-hmm. if you ever yeah. thought that. Yeah, but I was a total mall rat. Uh-huh. I don't think I lived close enough to one to spend like every week in there. But I loved going to the mall and loved going to the movie theater mm-hmm. and loved just hanging out. I mean, like you would. The, that was the best loitering for a teenager mm. uh, who had nothing to do and wasn't you know of age to do anything uh, terribly frightening. I mean, the, the mall was the place in which you created destruction, and that was. <laughs> That was the place of <laughs> place of my choice, but uh, I still say one of my favorite seasonal jobs was working. Uh, it's working a seasonal job at the mall. From wow, from, I've never worked at a mall. From basically, I I, I worked from mid October to like yeah, a couple days after New Year's when they let me go because I was no longer needed as seasonal staff. Right, but it was it, I made absolutely no money. But uh, really, you work? really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say it's a little embarrassing to uh, to but, to. to was, but was it a food place? It or? was not. No, okay. it was a clothing. It was store. a clothing store. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, no, I I did I did mall work for a little bit. I sold television. This is this is like it sounds like a joke, but I sold televisions to uh, people in Pasadena, California, yeah. from a J.C. Penney's. Wow. In a mall. Okay. It was really painful. Yeah. And the I, money wasn't good. <laughs> I still was, remember you'd get these like little 30 minute breaks where like you just run to the food court and you had two options. I mean, I had two options. I made nothing. So it was either you like did a couple laps trying to get samples from, you know, places that were passing out stuff until you were full uh, or you ate Taco Bell. Like that was, you know, that was all I could really afford. Well, I'm glad that they had the Orange Julius so prominently yes. displayed there. Mm-hmm. That was fantastic. So mm-hmm. a few mm-hmm. of the of the places that I saw, uh, The Gap, mm-hmm. Claire's, Orange Julius, mm-hmm. Sam Good. Yeah. Walden Books, uh, and of course, Scoops Ahoy. <laughs> right. Which was not a thing. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. only one I can't, I can't verify ever seeing in my life. It, it was not a thing. Okay. It was That's apparently, but, yeah. but apparently they did, so they did do some tie-ins. It was interesting. Uh, they did some tie-ins with Baskin Robbins. Oh, interesting. Actually. And there was a Burger King tie-in where they remember they had an upside down Whopper uh-huh. for a bit at one point when they were full of Whopper. Whopper. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, and the Slurpee. The yeah. Sl- yeah, the Slurpee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I, I was talking to my to my intermediate class about product placement, and I said there's there's a couple different ways you can do product placement. You can do it so that it's just so in your face and not interesting at all, or you can do it to try to create to build this world, which is what they were doing in Stranger Things. And so we saw all those. The whole discussion about New Coke I thought was hilarious, yeah, yeah. 
And so, yes, was that product placement? I guess technically, yes, but they but they did it too. Now, one question. I would, my, my, so I would say, as an advertising professor, technically, it's not okay because were they because were they pay paid? For it. Exactly. That was my that was a question my class asked, and yes. I said I do not know. They were not okay. Um, now there have been a lot of advertisement. Now there have been partnerships after the fact. So okay, yeah. Coke has partnered with Stranger Things too. They've re-released New Coke, and you can buy the original the original New Coke formula uh, in like special commemorative bottles. But from what I was, uh, what I'm, uh, what I've been able to research, Coke did not pay for anything. Seven Eleven did not pay for anything. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't believe it was technically true product placement. Mm-hmm. I, and I think this is probably one of the larger criticisms that I've seen of Stranger Things, and I felt it maybe even a little bit more in season two than season three, mm-hmm. is like trying to lean in so much into 80s culture and 80s brands like uh, that, that it's almost like, because good product placement, um, you know, the the... The, what I always show my students is like the the clip from Wayne's World where mm-hmm. they're kind of making fun of product placement right, and like right. very, very like, you know, holding up the Doritos and the Pizza Hut box and like, you know, it's like we would never sell out for that, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but um, but. You know, like good product placement, it's like it's almost like you don't see it there. Yeah. And I feel like they try to make these brands so, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, so pervasive. And, you know, in the in the show itself, I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, now, I, are you holding are you holding or selling Lucas? I, I held Lucas. Are you holding Lucas because he liked New Coke? <laughs> oh, I'm a I'm a fan of that opinion. I, I, okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Now, if they really want to land it, they have to do Crystal Pepsi because that was the one that where everybody's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, it was insane. It was, yeah, uh, the, the yeah, the, 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 I can't go into my tangent about New Coke, but for the for the most part, again, I wasn't there for new for New Coke. Okay. What, I, what I understand is most people actually did like New Coke. There was this small faction of people who were very very loud, who were you know make Coca Cola great agains, uh, who. <laughs> <laughs> brought back classic coke. So. Wow, that did, that turned oh, in a direction. Quick, yeah. yeah, that was good. That was good. That was good. And the same coloring and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I can I just it, it, I I wanted to add one thing about the '80s that I think is kind Please. of interesting. Okay, and and the um, truth and lending here. Um, and I asked uh, Adam when we started when he was born, and he's actually a little bit younger than the Duffer Brothers. I'm a 90s kid, for You're sure. A 90s kid. The Duffer Brothers were born in 84. Mm. So they were, by the time the 80s ended, they were like six. So they were really 90s kids. Yeah. So, and, and what I think was interesting about this is the, is the idea that, the, you know, you can sort of like be nostalgic about a period of time. But if you didn't experiencing it, then what you're doing is you're being nostalgic about the nostalgia for the period right. of time. So it's not it's not a real 80s. It's like a simulacral 80s. It's the idea it's like that the, it's the pop culture perspective. Right. Of the 80s. So it's like the image of the 80s, not the 80s itself. And so that and because there are so many movie references, it's like, you know, watching Tarantino films and keeping in mind that what you're seeing is a regurgitation of somebody who is a really good you know, the Vitamix of other film screenings, right? So the Duffer Brothers version of the 80s, as much as it feels, you know, like it works really well for the show, that version is really a compost of other media references. It's not authentically, you know, 1980s. Which is interesting. So contrast that with a a show that we've talked about a couple times as well, which is Mad Men, which is often, um, you know, acclaimed for how well it actually uh, shows 
shows 60s culture, right? And that it really portrays it and tries to be as accurate as possible. Where I think the Duffer Brothers are almost, to a sense, trying to be almost the memist version I don't know if memeist is the right right way of explaining it of eighties. Like it's like yeah, right, I understand. It's, yeah. it's it's riffing on uh, on on the pop culture side of eighties itself. It's not trying to. And there are parts of it that I think you, um, like I mentioned, like with mall culture, like that's something that even I can like look at and go like, man, like I totally remember malls being packed and kids just hanging out and that mm-hmm. being the place to be. I think there's there, there's pieces like that, but certainly, right. you know, the way in which they try to embed and infuse the different movies themselves, mm-hmm. it's almost like they're trying to be the most accentuated version of some of these pieces that came out of the eighties. And yet they didn't really choose to do a lot of 80s music. I mean, there was some there, but they really focused on the branding and on movies that were out and less on on the music of the yeah. 80s. And so I think that's kind of interesting. What, one thing that was interesting about this season, uh, as opposed to a couple, the last couple, is uh, you would see a lot of articles after season one and season two is like, what are the... What are the movies that they've sort of embedded in and they're trying to pick up on the plot lines? Where in season three, they're, they're very, very out in front where you're seeing them literally go to a movie theater. Right. And you're seeing literal movie posters and you're hearing references like Max makes a reference to liking Ralph Macchio and the Karate Kid, you know, mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. like directly referencing movies themselves mm-hmm. and it not just being as much of an homage as, as it is, like even allowing the movie culture to not just be the plot line, but now be sort of a meta uh, a meta conversation within within the within the season. You know where they they could have done something with this in mind and didn't. I can totally see them because remember remember the, remember the movie The Blob where mm-hmm. the blob comes out of the movie the movie screen. Yeah. They could have done that with the mind flare. Somebody was I think there the was movie. some blobbiness in this. There was blobbiness, yeah, but just not at the movie theater. Okay, so so, so this is where we'll open it up to Ralph. This is where <laughs> Ralph's is ready to go. No, on I just I just wanted to. There, there were two other sort of like contextual things that that are also part of this kind of like uh, indulgence in the '80s. One is the film Super Eight, which I don't know if you saw, uh-uh. but um, if you get a chance to take a look at it, there it's it's I think a very kindred spirit. To um, it, in fact, it's the one where the joke about J.J. Abrams and lens flares because there are. I just rewatched That's it funny. recently, and it's like every shot in the movie has a lens flare, <laughs> right? Um, but it's but it's actually very similar. It's a small, you know, a, a small group of young people. It's it's just if you get a chance to watch it. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that, I remember it's that. Really that was, it's really good. Well it's a really done. good yeah. film. Yeah. On the other hand, we started and I didn't finish it. Well, actually, I should say there's a movie called Summer of '84 that uh, came out that has a similar kind of thing young group of guys and one kid who has a newspaper delivery route thinks his neighbor is a serial killer. Now, I could spoil this film for you because we watched the first 20 minutes and we're like, this is really not good. It, it would be, it's a nice contrast to see how inauthentically some people right. can construct these characters right. because they feel, um, in fact, I, I had a, a little bit of a sense of that when I was reading Ready Player One. There were some of the conversations among, and I know you're a fan of the book, right? Mm-hmm. But there were some conversations among particularly little boy culture that just felt very inauthentic to me. And I think that's one of the things that I like the most about Stranger Things is I think it feels very authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I get, I don't have a way of, um, of saying this in a way that you you'd be able to articulate this much better than I would. So I feel like we've left, uh, sort of the ET Goonies type of Stranger Things, and we've entered into what? 
How, can you help me fill in the blank of like what are the references that we're leaning on the hardest as we get into season three? Mm. I, I you mentioned Super Eight. I can see a lot of. It yeah, there. I think there's that. I think there. Well, but but you know, yeah, yeah. I think there is a similarity in that it's sort of like you know a secret military program that's kind of bumbling and putting everybody in danger and trying to keep it a secret. But I think it's. I, I think that the season had the, really did have this kind of Lovecraftian feel. Um, uh, yeah, that there that the the creature itself was was more amorphous and uh, adaptable, you know, and the fact that it was absorbing human beings, because um, you know, of course, you get into this whole thing where in Lovecraft there's this philosophical point of view of cosmicism, which is the argument that um, human beings are deluded with the fact that they matter at all, and ultimately they just don't matter. It's just not a thing in the cosmos that is of any concern, except from our perspective, because we're the ones that are you know trying. To to survive amongst all of this like uncaring universe. I don't think ever for a second do you think because Lovecraft's endings were always much darker, but um, but I don't think for a second you think that that you know humans will not win out in the end. I mean, I think there's that much predictability to it, but I think it's kind of been drifting a little bit more in that kind of a direction. Um, though you know, again, it's sort of. I think there was some. There was more. It was definitely lending itself more to kind of a horrific with what was happening with Billy and what happened to the Holloways and things like that. That was definitely like the, the, the loss of identity that would make it a little bit more sort of in tipping toward the horror side rather than the science fiction side. But both of them were definitely in play there. Are you going to get into Stephen King? I'm only mis- I- <laughs> because because Stand By Me. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I the relationships between the boys in that movie, um, I can see them building on that in this season even more than the earlier seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Stephen King thing is written so thoroughly throughout the series and has been from the beginning, from mm-hmm. the from the title, which is kind of a vamp on needful things in a way, to the to the fonts and the, the way that they present the the program and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah, there's a ton of Stephen King inside of that too. Yeah. And like I said, it I think would be, is another parallel. I'm trying to finish it. It is Stephen King's longest novel. Yeah. It is almost twelve hundred pages. <laughs> It's it's a long it's mm-hmm. a long book, but it is it's definitely in the same spirit, I think, in the same universe. Um, I would so you know how they how it has the younger kids and then them as adults. Yeah, I want to see at some point. I want to see the Stranger Things kids as in their twenties. I mean, that's awesome. Oh, well, maybe they could do like a uh, what was this, a six feet under, like their final episode in season five, maybe, yeah. where they're like you know old and dying <laughs> with their kids. And I, and I think I was so I was looking up um, how old, I was you know how old was eleven when she started because she just seemed like a baby mm-hmm. there in that first season, mm-hmm. and then how old is she now? And I think I underestimated how young she or how old she was at the beginning, and I overestimated how old she is now. So when they started filming, she was. I mean, she was literally 11 years old um, and she is is now only 15, which kind of blows my mind because yeah, I think in my head I'm, I'm thinking of these characters in more of that like high school, senior age, 17, 18 years old. We've got a lot of a lot of life left with them as as still in this teenage teenage years. If we can mm-hmm. get out a couple more seasons. OK, I have one last section that's called outstanding questions. We've answered a couple of them already. Uh, you know, one of is, you know, is, is Hopper actually dead or why are the, where, where are the buyers moving and why didn't they think of this earlier was two of my questions. Uh, one of my questions was whatever happened to Eleven's sister? We, we, like, we have this 
incredible Chicago scene, mm-hmm. you know, in season two where they, they, they actually leave Hawkins and they go somewhere else and we meet, uh, I, I don't know if we, she's technically a sister. Chicago's uh, not that, not that far. Maybe that's where the bodies yeah. are going. Why, why didn't, why didn't we get to see, you know, Eleven's family to the rescue or something like that this time around? That, that episode, the Chicago episode is very controversial. There's a lot of people who are fans of the show who really hate that episode. I think that's why they didn't do something like that again. Yeah. Well, I think that they were, I mean, there was some suggestion, and again, I've not gotten any verification on this, that that was an attempt to try to see what they could do potentially as a spinoff mm, with, a separate, with a separate show with Eleven as a central character and then leave the Stranger Things focused on the, the guys or something like that. Ah, that's really interesting. Which was, I, See, I always sort of interpret it as it was we we did season one. We got a gigantic budget for season two. We don't exactly know what to do with it yet, and so we, this is sort of an experiment of what to do with that. But um, I mean, I could see the sister coming. I I don't see us going to Chicago again. I just kind of. I just mentioned, hey, the buyers could be going to Chicago. I don't see that happening though. I could see the sister coming back to Hawkins. Um, to help out, I mean, because because if indeed Eleven's not going to have her powers for a little bit, and I think that that's going to be the case, um, then maybe the sister will come back, and it will, and she will be, she will somehow fit into the Hawkins lifestyle more, because the the Chicago group they were very very they were all about self. I mean, everything they were just doing to keep you know for themselves. They really didn't really care about other people that much. Um, in my opinion. So, but maybe there's going to be a change and maybe we will see her, but I see her coming back to Hawkins and not 11 going back to Chicago, unless the buyers go to Chicago, which I don't think is going to happen. <laughs> Here's my last, this is, and this is a, a couple different questions sort of mashed together, but something that I've been thinking about is like, um, I, I still don't quite understand the backstory of the upside down. Like, I don't think that's ever been really explained enough to me where I understand exactly what we're fighting or why it doesn't like us, you know, or like what it's, what ex- exactly it's trying to do. And then my, my, I guess my bigger question that I have is, is, is the plot of stranger things a little worn out because we've seen essentially the same type of story three times in a row now, which is monsters here must eliminate monster you know by 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 you know closing the gate which we hear is like that doesn't even really do anything like you've got to destroy the monster not just close the gate so seemingly the monster can come back again although it's not really hanging over the town like it did at the end of the season two we don't really have that Mm -hmm. cliffhanger but i just I, i feel like we've we've watched this happen three times now is it are we are we going to move on from that specific uh plot device of the big scary monster entering uh, into into the universe. I I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's I even think it's an interesting question. Do you agree or disagree question. that the, the plot is a little bit worn down? Well, I think that there was there was a characteristic difference between the the way that. I mean, they've been playing with this thing that's the relationship between, like, human consciousness and these creatures that I think is is really kind of interesting. And, you know, they, the idea that they were using this kind of, like, old-school Cold War background to kind of lay this whole thing out I thought was, was interesting. And there definitely was a difference between, I think, the creature from the first season and the creature in this season. And, you know. Yeah, because we had the Demogorg, I think, yeah. in season one, and the Mind Flare sort of hung yeah. out. and. Um, I, I could see, you know, potentially it, it depends, I guess, on where they, you know, what, what 
what other context they want to bring out, you know. So the question would be, have they mined the 80s completely now or is there something else that they can, you know, pull out of all that, you know. Well, um, what? so what year is it in season three? 85. It's, it's 85. Okay. Yeah. All right. So oh, they got five more years. I yeah. don't know. Well, if, if they don't do a monster, they could go back to the other enemy, and that's man. And that's mm-hmm. the scientists have been trying to get L. And I, that's very effective. Mm-hmm. I think that they could easily do that again, and I, and I would be willing to watch that. Hmm. Maybe that's how she gets her powers back. Is yeah. the scientists capture her? No, no, she so. no, she gets her powers back when she saves her daddy. Oh, that's right. I'm telling you. <laughs> you do you do realize that this this episode will be online when you're yes. proven either correct exactly. or incorrect. I will be completely, it's going to yeah. be beautiful. I will be beautiful. It'll be beautiful either way. I, well, let me ask both of you: when you're watching something like this, are you? And we may have talked. Adam talked about this a little bit before, but do you like try to figure things out and where they're going? Do you just go with what's there? No, I'm totally just. I'm along for the ride. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, try to I am too. Out. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sometimes questioning. Yeah, what what's happening? Why did I miss? Why exactly is this person doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, but for for the most part, I'm not someone trying to solve the mystery yeah. while that while it's going on. And and the reason why I th- the reason why I do think it is Hopper is because to be honest, I love the show. They're not that clever. I mean, they they don't try to fool you that much. Yeah, they just. They just want you to enjoy it. So I don't see them setting up some big thing and it's like, oh, fooled you. I mean, they really haven't done that yet. Could, I mean, they could do it. Yeah, Revenge mm-hmm. for Barb was pretty pretty big. <laughs> and pe- pe- people were pretty pissed. Yeah, that's still kind of a, a sad Justice thing. Justice for Barb. Probably, yeah. Uh, probably Nancy's. The weight that's going to pull Nancy into purgatory mm-hmm. is going to be the ignorance of poor yeah. Barb. Yeah. What else? What did we miss? What did we miss? Oh, hmm. Uh, exploding so rat. I have to say, because I've had rats as pets, and the exploding rats, <laughs> there should have been a trigger warning, because that was very upsetting. <laughs> you know, they would just vibrate and explode, and it was just, you know. Like, I, I don't like think scanners, they were. Like using, scanners, but for right, rats. Exactly yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was well, Scanners an 80s movie, or was that 70s? Scanners was 82 or 83, okay, I think. Okay, there's yeah, another one. so you got there it, go. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, which would be another thing is is the another potential they could go into is sort of like that whole Cronenberg, you know, sort of like human the the capacity of humans to morph into things that they're not supposed to. Yeah, that's true. You know, that could be a thing that they could potentially do too. Although mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, I think the spirit of this it's interesting when you say like sort of the Goonies on one side and then sort of more you know hardcore because it's 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 pretty grotesque uh-huh. you know yeah. it's, it's violent yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, yeah. it's not soft about the violence no. so i'd say it's hard is a little bit more in that than in the goonies kind of happy silly that's why i say we left but, it we've left yeah. it for yeah. sure i mean yeah. did, did you think that this was the goriest most violent season i think I so did. yeah i did i think season one sort of um tried to play on uh you know the behind what's around the corner right a lot more mm-hmm. um whether that's budget reasons or whatever you know you didn't really see see the monster too much until the end of the season yeah uh where i mean you saw from the beginning of the season you know people essentially shaking and turning into to to blob yeah uh from Mm -hmm. you know from the from the very top and it was a a much more like in your face thing this time around you asked what we missed and we we talked about the family dynamic a little bit but um while they were tiptoeing about it in previous seasons we actually had a character say in this season you know i don't know where my kids are yeah, right. You know, right. it's like, yeah, you don't. Yeah. You know, yeah. so there's that. You got the mother going after, you know, going after the lifeguard who 
I mean, maybe maybe he was 18. I don't know. Um, but it was like, OK, like, you know. And then she realizes, of course, it's not OK. But at first it just seemed like, uh, you know, all the women were ogling Billy and it was OK. And no, that's not okay. <laughs> that's not okay, guys. And it's not okay for you not to know where your kids are. Yeah. But they dealt with that this time. Well, there, Carol Clover, who's a, a, she wrote the book Men, Women, and Chainsaws. She's writing mostly about horror. But um, one of the ways that she talks about the, the film Halloween is that this is the experience of fractured families. This is the generation of uh, where there was just lots of divorce. There were a lot of you know, the, the family unit was not intact. And I think that there is a there's this kind of part of the background of what's going on in this program in mm-hmm. this across the show because the kids are not they're not rooted in their families really very much at all they just happen to be stuck in the basement or something like that but there are except the one family that we care about and that's hopper yeah. now yeah 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 all right buy sell or hold stranger things bye oh yeah bye the world needs this show <laughs> Okay. I don't know. When I, when I get my economist hat on, I feel like we could, we could be at peak stranger things, right? Like this might be time to unload some shares, uh, knowing that, you know, it's not, I mean, is is it going to get better? I think people like it enough so that even if it stays on the on the level that it is now, it will still be a worthy commodity. But if season four is let down, as in no hopper, then I would be I'd be holding. Yeah, and I, I would have said I'd be holding, yeah, or selling, yeah. There's it's a really interesting environment that this is in now too, because there is is so much other material that's actually yes. quite good that it's sort of like competing with for people's attention. And I think it resonates with the audience in a particular way that makes it really successful. But there there's just other really interesting stuff going on, similar kinds of television series. You know, we were talking about a show called Dark that's a German produced series that I'm kind of in the middle of right now that is uh, kind of has some parallels in some way, mm-hmm. uh, but also does some things with time and characters that are very, but in, in any event, so there's, so, so this is the challenge for anything being produced now. And, and, you know, fortunately stranger things has a particular kind of identity that's going to carry it through. So the question is, do they fall prey to Adam, what you're suggesting, which is, do they become too much of their own stuff and start eating their own young and basically lose their inspiration? Or is there, is there more that can build off of what's there that, that expands in this universe and keeps people engaged? Yeah. And we, we talked about um, the Game of Thrones finale, which is a great hot take. Everyone should listen to. Neither of us had seen the finale, <laughs> but yeah, we still had opinions on it. Uh, but I, like, I watched it, by the way. Okay. I, I was not wrong, <laughs> just um, so you know. <laughs> but um, but is there is there a, another current show as popular as Stranger Things right now? Hmm. Something. I mean, yeah, they, these things are so they're so of, of, yeah. of the same. I'm sorry, of the same type of show. No, I just mean like like uh, there's this there's Span- I think, fantasy sci-fi or anything. I, I think there's this upper echelon of shows that is truly bringing together okay. pop culture, right? Yeah, in, a, right. In, in in a way that um there, and there's not a lot of them, and a lot of people argue that Game of Thrones was potentially the last. Uh, although we still have things like Stranger Things, I mm-hmm. can't think of one, I, another show that everyone is excited to watch as Stranger Things. No, I mean I can think of shows that people are excited to watch, such as you know Pretty Little Lies, and yeah. and even um, 
you know, billions. I mean, there, I, there are shows that are very popular right now, but probably not to that degree. That's why Wa- Walking Dead has lost its way. Is that even on anymore? I ha- I can't believe I'm <laughs> saying that. I was so in, and I haven't watched it in yeah. maybe three seasons now, which is crazy. But yeah, I think that this might be. This is it. This yeah, is. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, I think there's part of it again is that the audience has become fragmented, so that it's very hard to say, you know, what has a groundswell. I'm, I'm in the middle of watching uh, the most recent season of True Detective, and there's some amazing stuff going on in it. I think it's people really are excited to yeah. see that. Like mm-hmm. people are like super excited when that comes on, yeah. but it's not. It's not Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. And as we see, or when, or when we see the actors begin to do additional things, then I think that that will even just make Stranger Things even more. Speaking of, and this is totally not as good as Stranger Things, but have you seen the very strange so-called documentary on Hopper's father? What? Which is really Hopper oh, playing I, himself. I saw. It's so weird. <laughs> It's, it's got so the weird. Word Frankenstein in the title. Yes, I it's think. like the yeah. Frank Frankenstein's Frankenstein's mom. It's supposedly a documentary about what's it, what's Hopper's real name? I can't think. Jim. Of his name. Jim. Uh, no, no, no. His character, the actor. Oh, um, it is David Harbor. David Ar- David Harbor. Yes. So it is a documentary supposedly about David Harbor's father. He he he. His father and his grandfather have all been in the entertainment business, according uh. to this documentary, and they're showing a documentary. And they show a man who looks just like David Harbour. It's, I mean, it's Harbour playing himself. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, right? I mean, the I'm title pretty is sh- Frankenstein's Monsters Monster, comma Frankenstein. Yeah, it's crazy. So I don't. So when I say that, I don't include that. But we will see these actors playing other things, and then they'll all come back to play in Stranger Things. And I think that will just make Stranger Things. Just even as big as ever, just because everyone totally. are going to be enjoying the, the performances that they see elsewhere. I mean, can you can you think of like Comic Con twenty thirty nine, like the reunion <laughs> of Stranger Things yeah. cast? Yeah, right. That's going to be incredible. Okay, um, which actor's somehow... brain is going to be in a jar? That's what I want to know. <laughs> unless somehow they lose their weight, like you know, Walking Dead. I mean, it, yeah. it's possible. Like I said, I can't believe I'm saying that about that show. So any show can lose its way, right? Okay, I think that's it. I think it's all we have. I think so too. All right. Thank, Thank you, Yvette. You, Yvette. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having coming me back. back. Yes. We'll have to have you again in a year and a half. <laughs> Thank you. We'll find something else I too. will be back. We'll find hopefully, else. hopefully they can close the gap before the next bunch of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.